Now Kerr, looking for the long Oh, that's brilliant. And Sam Kerr has surely clinched the title now. World-class players do world-class things. Welcome to another episode of Fran Kirby's Fight Club, a suddenly top of the table again edition of Fran Kirby's Fight Club. We're going to talk about that again, but it is me, Andre Carlisle, and I am here again with the third co-host. Just go ahead and say it. It's the third co-host of Fran Kirby's Fight Club. I don't know if we're announcing that officially or if it's just going to remain unofficial, but uh, we are delighted once again to have Mia Erickson with us. Mia, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I feel excited about this with everything you just mentioned in your intro there, with being top of the table and everything like that. And Monday. <laughs> and Monday. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people don't like Mondays. I personally would rather the weekend have another day. Like, well, can we do three-day weekends? Can we make that a normal thing, please? Yeah, I hate Mondays, actually. <laughs> and <laughs> But I was trying to be like, okay, let's, let's do this and let's be... Yeah, I hate Mondays, uh, actually. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, the Monday is pretty much over in Sweden, and that makes me happy. And then okay, well, I get go. to spend some time with you. Can be we better. Go. Yeah. Yes. Then we get we get to, and we get to talk about a Chelsea win, which is exciting. Apparently, uh, a more comprehensive win, unfortunately, that the scoreline will suggest. But we'll talk about that later as well. Uh, we're going to re review Chelsea's last league match, uh, last league match of the month, really, and we'll talk about the schedule coming up. But yeah, they. Beat Spurs 3-2. to two. This was, I believe, their third match against Spurs across in the last uh, 12 matches, I believe. Played them in league um, before the turn of the new year and then played them in a cup and now played them in the league again. So um, I think I need to look back on it, but I think we scored three goals in every single game against Spurs, which is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, we're also going to talk about maybe some the, the sad part of that, it being 3-2. Bethany England and Drew Spence combined to score. That kind of hurt a little bit. We'll talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about that Lauren James goal and just Lauren James overall because good Lord. Uh, we're going to talk about the defensive frailties that's showing up. Uh, we don't, yeah, there, 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 there might be a trend there and we'll, we'll discuss it. Uh, and then, of course, Jesse Fleming uh, deputized at the 10. So we want to talk about that as well. Um, Mia, anything else before we jump right in? No, you pretty much covered everything. Well, there. then let's just do it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Chelsea three, Spurs two. Uh, this was away uh, at Brisbane Road. Uh, Jess Carter opened the scoring in the eighth minute, which was great. It was actually funny because Sam Kerr and Jess Carter basically made the same run in the same leap, but Jess Carter was behind Sam Kerr, so got the touch on it uh, and was able to direct it into goal. It was a great header. Then Bethany England, as we mentioned, scored and equalized eight minutes later in the 16th minute. 11 minutes after that, Lauren James just drove through the entire defense and scored a left-footed shot off the inside of the, the post, which is just an incre absolutely incredible goal. I think it's gone viral on just about everybody who's posted it. Uh, Goa Wrighton got the third goal in the 64th minute. And then I'm probably going to butcher this name, but Karchuska in the 88th minute uh, scored a, a random just completely just Chelsea being not aware defensively and made it a, made the end of the game a, a lot more nervy than it needed to be. But that was the end of the scoring and it ended 3-2. Uh, 
So let's just, you know what? I put it down here a little bit, but since we have Mia here, I'm going to go ahead and bump it up to the top of the list. This defensive frailty that has popped up with Chelsea, it hasn't cost them any points so far, but uh, let's see. After drawing 1-1 with Arsenal, they gave up a late goal. It was a great strike by Drew Spence uh, against Tottenham. It was a great strike, but gave up a late goal there. 3-2 against Liverpool after that, and now 3-2 against Spurs. That's five goals conceded in the last three games with Spurs twice and bottom, kind of near the bottom of the table, Liverpool as well. So, like, there's kind of an obvious thing as well. Magda Eriksson has been on the bench for these games. Mia, your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that Magda perhaps is not a part of Chelsea's future, which is sad. I think we will win or if that day comes, uh, it will be a hard day for both her uh, and many fans, and I also me because I, I actually, you know, it, it's quite big for for Sweden to have a captain in in an English football club, uh, let alone Chelsea like football club. Um, but I do think that this. This has many layers to it because we also have the Sechira Musovic uh, all of a sudden starting every game they play. Uh, her contract is also up this summer. Uh, and then you change your back line uh, and like going back and forth uh, with a back four and a back three. Um, that's also something. Um, I, I think, you know, if you change, if you have another goalkeeper and then the goalkeeper has to deal with a new backline um, all of a sudden or, or something like that, then that will uh, also play a part in it. Uh, but then is the fact that, I mean, I don't have the numbers or the stats of this now, but like the last season, Magda was a very important part in Chelsea's build-up. So here's what I'm thinking. Uh, I haven't watched back on the game yesterday but I mean there have been some discussions about Guru and all of a sudden being quite invisible now she scored yesterday because she's a great player and, and it has nothing to do with that but she is playing on the left hand side uh, where Magda also have been playing so I mean I, I think it's, it's a lot to take in here I, I do get that if Magda isn't going to stay which probably is the case and then Emma needs to do this to look into the future, but it could be it could cost them if they don't because they didn't concede a lot in the Champions League. Um, they did concede a couple of unnecessary goals, I think, um, before Christmas in the in the league, but in the Champions League they didn't. So, and if you play. Like that, even if it was just moments yesterday uh, against Spurs in the Champions League, you are going to be, I think, out uh, in the quarterfinal, uh, especially if they go up against certain teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it is there. I think there's no coincidence that Magda not being in the lineup has led to this run of defensive shakiness, I'll call it. Um, I think that you see the we, we see the immediate impact of 
her as a leader, not being out there, her as an organizer. That's kind of one of the things, just making sure the concentration levels are high. Um, you know, the Drew Spence strike was great, but also don't let her dribble into that space and unchallenged and have time to take that shot. I think when you look at the two goals that Liverpool, that uh, I'm sorry, Spurs scored, um, Liverpool too, but we'll, we'll stick with this game, uh, that Spurs scored, it's a bad giveaway by Buchanan. Um, she just, just loses possession um, out on the wide right, which again, maybe if you have Parise there, you have somebody who's defensively aware enough to be able to get into position to, to, to defend that as well, even though you don't really don't expect your center back to lose the ball in that position. And so that's another kind of interesting thing with not having Parise there, with still in, insisting kind of on Neve Charles, which again, we, we said it on the last pod, great going forward, but not a true you know fullback. So you kind of have to balance that somehow. And you really need your, your back line to not to, to not be error prone. You can't make mistakes when you really are, are playing without a true fullback back there to help cover. Um, and, and then, of course, there's that cutback from Drew Spence, who gets the ball into um, Bethany England, which, of course, hurt to see Bethany England score. But that's also something where maybe Magda reads that play developing and gets in between uh, the ball, the, the flight of the ball and Bethany England so that she can clear that instead of giving Bethany England a tap in, you know, Beth is, we know, we know how she plays. We know she's very good. We know that when those opportunities happen, she's going to get in a great position because she's a very good player. And so that, that of course happens and that's a little frustrating. And then of course the, the second goal that happens, it's just weird. It's just the ball being, you know, failed to be cleared. It's just bopping around and then it rolls to a player who takes a touch and just slides it by. And I think that was, for me, there's a little bit of poor recognition of what like the potential danger from Musovic. I think she could have done better to save that shot because it wasn't a great shot. It was a player sliding that got the ball. Didn't expect him to get the ball, but as a keeper, you need to anticipate that that might happen. Um, and then, of course, the back line just just losing concentration. And I think those the hallmark of the, both of those goals is really just nobody seems to have stepped up yet. Yet, this little run without Magda is, is fairly new, but you do want to make sure that if you're going to do this, somebody is taking up that mantle and being the leader and being the organizer to say, hey, keep your, you don't need to turn easy games into hard games. You're going to have plenty of hard games in the future. Uh, as Mia mentioned, the Champions League going to be going to be among them uh, no matter who we get. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a little... I miss Magda. I would love her to be back in the lineup. But if we're going to do this thing where we don't have her out there, it can't be like this. This this can't be the thing that keeps happening. I don't think it's the Chelsea standard uh, also. I mean, I think the players are very aware of it. Uh, I, think, I, I think the fans uh, are right to expect more because, I mean, it's not a B player that comes in. Jess Carter has been doing great um, the last couple of seasons. So I just think that this is a combination of the the new goalkeeper mm-hmm. uh, and the new backline where their captain is not playing. Um, and if I, I can guess, I don't think that Magda is uh, pretty satisfied with this situation um, too. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because there... There has to be a certain level now uh, going into the Champions League. And yeah. and I mean, 
the thing is that I actually I can I can say this because we recorded my podcast with Jelena Chankovic the other week and then she told me something quite in- interesting about the WSL and how she looked at it. And then she said that in this league every team you play wants to go forward and score. There are even she said that even Leicester who's the bottom at the table mm-hmm. they they pressed us high and wanted to go forward. So and that leaves gaps yeah. and space, so you that you can utilize and and use obviously. And looking at yesterday, I know that yeah, it wasn't the the best performance Chelsea have been showing us uh, this season. But the thing is that if you look at Arsenal and United, Manchester United, they actually <laughs> played zero zero in their games. Chelsea scored three goals. Yeah. So this is the like. This is where I'm seeing it as a disappointment if Chelsea doesn't win the league because they have so much quality in going forward and and doing this and they have the the quality that I'm going to dare to say it that no other team has uh, at the moment. Yeah, no, I completely agree and you know, well We'll talk a little bit about about what being at the top of the table means right now because it was kind of unexpected. We were looking to be in a in a in a bit of a longer fight, uh, and then apparently, you know, some results happened and made things seem a little bit easier now. So Chelsea has a little bit of room. Of course, there's still a lot of games to play and games to play against teams at the top uh, that that are around Chelsea. So there there are going to be the threat to still drop points and turn this into something else. But this is definitely a, a position where if you were one of the other teams that drop points, this is where you would want to be. But this is where Chelsea is yet again. So I agree. By the way, first of all, let me plug. I, I should do this at the top of the podcast every time we have you on. And I don't I, I'm so I'm such a bad co-host, sir. I'm sorry. Please listen to their pitch. That is Mia's podcast is very good. Very good podcast. Listen to it a lot. It gets a lot of players, a lot of good insight from players, too. So if you want to learn like how players think, uh, what they do, like their kind of careers up to that point and kind of some more tactical things, it's very, very good for that kind of stuff. I really like the podcast. So please make sure you subscribe, download, listen to that, all that business. So sorry for mentioning that. You've been on the podcast four times. (laughs) It's the first time I've said it. So I'm sorry. No, you don't have to. You don't have to apologize for that. But thank you. (laughs) It it is excellent. Okay. So we, we talked about. The bad part of Chelsea, which I wanted to get out of the way because there were pl- there was also plenty of good, as Mia mentioned. We scored three goals. This team seems to be able to score three goals against just about anybody, especially in the WSL. So let's just talk about it. That first goal, well, the, fir- the first goal was fun because it was a very good cross. Uh, the cross by Aaron Cuthbert floats in and... Sam Kerr and Jess Carter make the same jump, but Jess Carter gets the gets the last touch. Uh, very good, very good goal. I enjoyed this goal, but the goal of the day was absolutely Lauren James. It was not only the move that she made, but when she made it, because Bethany England had just, uh, I hate saying this, Bethany England had just equalized for Spurs. I hate that I have to say that, but that's what happens. Oh, life hurts. Um, but yeah, so so the, the game was tied. Things got a little tense. Chelsea was actually a bit chaotic after that equalizer was scored by Spurs. The game really turned. Um, one of those, another one of those classic. You can tell exactly how goals change games by just looking at how the shift in the game happened once once Spurs equalized and Chelsea were scrambling for an answer. And that answer came in Lauren James just collecting the ball on the right, sitting a defender down, and just dribbling centrally 
by a couple players, through a couple players, getting herself into the into the box, and then unleashing a left-footed shot off the inside of the post. And Chelsea are up 2-1. And honestly, a highlight of the year, adding to her already extensive highlight reel of just dribbling by players like they were standing still. Just, Mia, what on earth is anybody supposed to do when a player can just do that? Stand and watch and enjoy and admire the footballing skills that they uh, are honored with. Uh, that up up that close, I would say. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen it happen. It's like you know, the time just stops when she does those moves. Uh, I think it's it's very fascinating to see that you know. Okay, why isn't anybody doing something? And then oh, score goal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, obviously, yeah. That it's it's a great performance. You you can't say anything about it. And you know the way she she holds up the ball and can just like she seems so strong also physically. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I I guess the right words for that is to say that there are no words for yeah. Lauren James at the moment. Um, and I do think also that what I really enjoyed to see in the beginning of the game uh, was also two things before the first goal uh, happened. But the first thing was that Erin Cuthbert's crosses uh, in the beginning of the game, they were really good, like high quality. You could really see something happening there with, with the crosses. First, she set Gudoreiten free uh, in the left hand side of the of the box but her touch was a bit heavy there so it didn't but but then when she delivered that cross in for for Jess Carter and I was like okay now we see that the other players actually watch how Sam Kerr's <laughs> moves in the box yeah. so I'm sure that Jess Carter had been watching Sam Kerr closely because it, it looked like a Sam Kerr move all yeah. of a sudden so yeah, that's actually really funny you say that because I was tweeting from the account during the game and I almost wrote Sam Kerr just because I saw her jump and I saw how well executed the header was. And I was just like, that looks like a Sam Kerr goal to me. And then you see the yeah, replay and you're exactly. like, oh, actually, that's a Jess Carter goal. So yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, but yeah, I Lauren James, I just... I think the thing that still fascinates me about her is that she doesn't look like she's moving, like she doesn't beat players for pace. It's all about moving the ball far far enough away from them, but not too far for her to still be able to control it. And that sounds easy, but it is not. <laughs> her feet are so quick and she is so quick. I think that's another thing is her acceleration because we only see it in short bursts. We don't really see, you don't you don't see her like, knock the ball along and then run by a player and then catch up to the ball first. That's not really what her technique is all about. And so you don't really see how quick her first step is. But the reason she's out, because I saw a lot of people, you know, oh, that's terrible defending. And yes, but two things can also be true. It was bad defending, but also Lauren James is really hard to defend. So like, what are you supposed yeah, to do? I Especially agree. when she cuts inside and gets and gets into the boxes. Well, I want to see her get into the box more. Because we saw that early in the season, she won a couple penalties by getting into the box. If she gets into the box, you have no choice but to either let her shoot or risk a penalty. And that's why I want to see her do that a lot more often. But yeah, in this this one, 
was just incredible to me because after she beat the first player, she was just like, it's almost like she's jogging and just like, I'll just go here with the ball. And then players are trying to step up and she's like, oh, I see you. So I'm just going to push the ball past you and then I'm going to catch up to it. And it's just like her technique is so good that she just skips through players and makes them look silly. And even though you can definitely criticize the defense, I think if people were on that pitch and facing what they were facing, there aren't a ton of defenders that would have been able to do something besides foul her. And then, of course, like I said, you're risking a a, a set piece possibly from very close, which if you've got Goa Wrighton out there, you may not want to do. That might be an automatic goal or a penalty, which is also very bad. So she puts people in very bad positions, and I'm so thankful she's on our team. Yeah, and then, you know, when she does those things, you can all also be very thankful for the fact that she has the courage to shoot. Like, because we've seen a lot of players like carrying or dribbling the ball uh, up just outside the box or even into the box. And then instead of taking the shot, they try to pass. Yeah. But you need someone like that, that just takes the shot and, and go for it as well. And it's also the composure, right? You see a lot of players who, especially players who are very good dribblers, they get into the box or they beat a player and they get into the box and they rush the chance. They shoot high, they shoot wide, they do an errant shot or they shoot into players' legs. You know, that's the other thing. It's not like the box was full. They were trying to protect, you know, to block a shot. But she was able to have enough composure to find a gap and shoot through it. So that's another thing for me is just having the composure to be able to shoot the shot. And so not just getting into the box and taking a wild shot, but being able to get something through a defense and on target and the placement, the placement of the yeah. shot inside of the post. I mean, that's a perfect goal. Wait, when you talk about the 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 level of disrespect of the dribble, the dribbling <laughs> yeah, moves yeah, yeah. and the strike, it's just one of my favorite goals of the season so far. I think we will, it will be a contender for the goal of the season for Chelsea. Even though, you know, there, there's a lot there's a lot of games to go and Chelsea has some outrageous talents. And we saw even on the last day of the league season last year, Sam Kerr pulls out two goals that would be goals of the season. Yeah. So and it's, it, until the final, final whistle blows, maybe. But still, this, this one holds a special place in my heart just because I don't know if we've, like, having a player who can do this is just, it's incredible. And it's, and it's so fun to watch. I mean, the season has a couple of months more more to go, but I was going to say, yeah, Lauren James could do that again from the other side. So, but yeah, you're that right. She could do that. She yeah, could do something could. even even better. So, yeah. you know, there, there's still there's still a long way to go, and she is still very much in contention for goal of the season, whether it's this one or another one. She's exactly. <laughs> um, let's also give some love to the third goal because I think, as you mentioned, I, I believe at the top, Goal Wrighton scored the goal needed uh maybe a goal contribution you know we it, which is a little wild to say because her first half of the season was so incredible i think she had nine assists and two goals i mean just outrageous performance from her and then you know a little quiet to start 2023 but this was great i think this was another thing about how, all the ways that chelsea can hurt you you know sam kerr wins a header flicks it on and and it was a great work move i think Guru read, read the move, saw Sam Kerr dropping deep, and she knew if she could get in behind that space, there was plenty of space to run in behind. She's able to fight for the ball and win it. And then a foot race, which is another interesting thing. Guru Wrighton winning a foot race. You know, we don't think of her as the fastest player ever, but I love that she was able to take the right touches to keep the defense behind her. And then a very cool, calm finish. 
I was like, thank you. I, I We needed that, clearly, with the score being 3-2. But also, I think it was the right player scoring at the right time. Yeah, and I think it was the right player to be given the ball uh, in, in that yes. um, you know moment. Because, I mean, we don't see a lot of goals 1v1 like that from Chelsea. And I think it's nice to see because all the goals were very different and very like fun to watch um it left something for for everyone uh, in, in the candy candy box <laughs> or something like that yeah i love that i love that description um the last thing i wanted to talk about in this game is jesse fleming in in the match kind of at the 10 i thought i thought this was an interesting move i think that emma I, I believe it was the last match. She was really complimentary of what uh, Jesse Fleming does. She seems to really appreciate her level of, I mean, Jesse Fleming will run forever. You know, I've been watching her since she was in college at UCLA um, and then coming over with Chelsea. I'm a big Jesse Fleming fan. In college, she kind of played deeper in midfield. And even for Canada, she'd been playing for the national team since she was 15. So she plays, She she's very, very good at playing kind of a deeper deeper central midfield role. But it seems like Emma Hayes, and to be fair, when she's had that role at Chelsea, it hasn't always gone great, uh, which has kind of surprised me a little bit. So this, you know, being more close, closer to the forward line, into the forward line, you know, she's kind of played as a wide forward before, but this time she's more central. And I appreciate, you know, she's a very smart player. She runs a lot. She is very active out there. Um, and it's not its not just running, but she knows where to run and when. I think one thing that stands out about her game is how intelligent it is. She's very smart with her movement. But I will note that when she is at the 10, because she is not a natural creative player, you don't really get the chance creation of, you know, even back in the day with Ji So Yoon, but of course, even Fran Kirby, who, who drops into that role on occasion and um, specifically did it during the Euros for Chelsea or for um, England and then did it in Chelsea a little bit too, especially with the rise of Lauren James on the right um, or Pernilla Harder. Um, I kind of would love to see Lauren James centrally a little bit, maybe playing a little bit of that 10. I just think the way that she controls the ball would just be very difficult to deal with. And then I think if you have such such a direct runner, such as Conrad, maybe out there on the right instead, I would like to see that combination. But I don't know. What what are your thoughts on Jesse Fleming at the 10? I think they have a lot of players. You mentioned a couple of them there that could play the role as the 10. I or the position as the 10, I would say, because I do think that they when they are on the pitch, even if they play the same position, I do think that their roles are quite different uh, different because of their their qualities. Uh, you also have Jelena Chankovic that could come in and play that role now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where Chelsea, how Chelsea moves forward uh, with that role. Because I do think it was the last season that she actually came on for Penille uh, sometimes um, in that position as well. Um, already back then. So I don't think it's a surprise to see her there. But I do think that Every, I would say that every midfielder in Chelsea at the moment could potentially play in the system that Emma Hayes plays, uh, play with Chelsea, that every midfielder could play every position. It's just about what the roles are going to be in that particular game, going up against which opponent they will play. Uh, 
I do think that that's one of Chelsea's like unique selling points at the moment. Um, could also be, I mean, a challenge uh, when you go up against a team that that has players playing their positions and roles week in and week out. But this is this is Chelsea's way of being creative, I think, and they often make it happen. Yeah. So, I mean, I I really like. Yeah, I really like, I really love Jessie Fleming because of her fighting spirit. Yeah. I think among the players you, you mentioned and the one I mentioned is that she is a, more of a box-to-box in heart and soul, if you know yeah. what I mean. Because she runs so much. And she, you could see in, in, in the game against Spurs, she, she takes a couple of knocks for the team as well. Yeah. Uh, and I do think it, it, it can be seen like she's losing the ball or that she can't be strong enough to hold it up. But she she gets fouled. And I do think that that's, that's sounds weird to say a quality, but in, in, in some moments when that happened, it's the best thing that can happen because yeah. she knows that she won't lose the ball if she position her body in a certain way so that the opponent has to foul her instead. Um, but the thing is that she's a warrior, like and that's what I truly like about her. Yeah, I completely agree, and that's why that's also why I really thought that like that box to box midfield role, maybe like pairing her, like maybe she backs up Aaron Cuthbert because I still think Aaron Cuthbert is the better all around player for that role. So that's where I thought maybe she comes in for Aaron Cuthbert. But again, like I said, now that we've seen her in that midfield role a couple times, it's never really she's never really shown in that role, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, but getting her on the pitch is important. Like you mentioned, you know, she is very good in terms of ball recovery. Um, her, her pressing is very good and she's, she's kind of a tireless worker out there, but yeah, we do, do lose a bit in chance creation. I, and I do kind of wonder, you know, we, we've seen this in some matches with Chelsea, whereas Emma Hayes has, and I like the way you put it, it's just different roles that she wants players to play within a certain system. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're putting a lot of pressure on teams in midfield, maybe you add a Jesse Fleming and then you just accept the sacrifice that you, she can score goals. She can create if you give her kind of a clear cut opportunity, but she's not really going to pull something kind of out of nowhere like Fran Kirby, Chankovic or Pernilla Harder can do. But maybe you sacrifice that for a little bit of stability and control in midfield and or just pressing the back line and not making it easy for them um, to move the ball in between the lines. And so, but but the question for me becomes, what happens when you make the wrong call ahead of the game? You know, maybe the game would, and this has kind of been Chelsea's problem a bit, is trying to figure out how is the game going to play out? And then if it doesn't play out that way, now you're really at a disadvantage because maybe you need a player in here to create chances and you don't have that. And now you have to make a lot of changes. And we saw what happened at the very beginning of the season. We saw what happened. It was an injury, unfortunately, but the lineup had to change before the Liverpool game. Uh, with it with Harder's injury and then Chelsea just do not play the right way at all like in that game and they end up losing and to Liverpool the new, a newly promoted team so it can happen in the WSL and definitely in the Champions League too so I think it's great to have all these different types of players you can call on to do different things but you have to get it right when you have this and that seems it, it's a little concerning to me I guess you'd maybe rather have it than not but it just puts a lot of pressure on the decision-making um, for the 11. Yeah, I, I do think that also you have to be... 
I mean, I, I think there's so many elements to picking your starting 11, even though you have two starting 11s to pick from, because Chelsea has that. Um, and I don't think that the other top teams, they don't have two starting 11s to put out on the pitch. Um, but, but you know, you mentioned there that you have to really know um, and to make sure that the players' roles come to, comes to like 100% of use um, when you go onto the pitch and playing an opponent that you know, okay, this is where we're going to we're going to threaten them. This is where they are weak. This is where they are strong. And then you have to really uh, be able to to use that. And and this is where I'm seeing Chelsea make it uh, in the Champions League this season by getting all of these things right. Because they, they have learned things now from, from the, the past years. But I can also see that it could not be successful because of the... F- what we just talked about, but from experience now and from everything, and and this is what we, you say in the league, they can experiment doing this yeah. because they have. I mean, this is what I'm saying. I get the fact that people were disappointed that Chelsea conceded goals yesterday, but they did score, and Arsenal and Manchester United didn't. Yeah. Um, and this is where you're gonna have to to look at it. Yeah, and I actually think that's a very good point, too, because scoring goals consistently is kind of a thing you need to do, especially throughout the course of a season. You know, as you mentioned, and actually, let's just go ahead and talk about it. Chelsea are top of the table legitimately now uh, because Manchester City or Manchester United. I'm sorry, Manchester City ain't even in the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're so used to saying Manchester City in top three. So we can't even imagine that Manchester United would be a contender for the top three, right? Exactly. But coming into the weekend, they were at the top of the table um, because they had jumped up on goal difference for Chelsea. They're tied on points, but jumped up in goal difference. And their match kicked off 30 minutes before Chelsea's match kicked off. It was, uh, I think, right at noon, uh, noontime kickoff. They played Everton kind of following that game but really you know the the match with Spurs was a bit interesting you know we score the first and then it's 1-1 and then we score again it's 2-1 and then we score 3-1 you're thinking okay cool and then it's 3-2 and you're like hey like you were just given a big advantage because by then it was full time in the Manchester United Everton match and you're like okay good we're at the top of the table as long as we don't end up conceding a third somehow uh and dropping those two points but we didn't and Manchester Manchester United did not score at all Uh, 0-0 against Everton, mid-table club. And then Arsenal kicked off later that day um, and against West Ham, another mid-table club. And they didn't score either. Nil-nil on that one. So two nil-nil scorelines. Chelsea's main title challengers, I suppose, at the top of the table did not score a single goal. Chelsea scored three. And even though they didn't concede a goal, this is kind of what Mia was saying. You got to score goals in order if you want to have a chance at getting points. They didn't. We conceded two. They conceded none. But we still got the three points, which is exactly where you want to be. So we now are sitting at the top of the table, clear at the top of the table, 12 games played, 31 points. Manchester United are in second for now. They have 29 points on 12 games played. Arsenal still has a game in hand. Um, They are on 26 points. Um, can get to 29, of course, and then it's really a goal differential battle between them and Manchester United because they would be tied on points. Manchester City is at 26 points, 12 games played. So if Arsenal gets any points from that game, then there, then City remains in fourth. 
uh, and they don't really have a chance to jump over them. So yeah, this is a gift heading into an interesting period, I would say. Um, Chelsea does have a League Cup semifinal against West Ham in midweek this week. We also have a uh, the Champions League draw happening uh, this Friday on the February 10th. So that's going to be fun. But there are no more league games until March. That's kind of wild to say. Like we're not even one full week into February and we already know we're going to be top of the table the rest of the month because there's no other league game to play. <laughs> So I don't, I don't, there is an international break and February is a short month, but it just sounds wild to say. For sure. I mean, it's, it feels so long when you say it. Like, I had to think, is this even true? Like, um, yeah, but I do think that this is like, this is also a bit scary because in, in March there are Champions League games coming up. Um, and and these international breaks, they are all. I mean, obviously they're fun and all uh, in a way, but they always sort of like put putting a stop to everything that is going on. And, and if if a team is on a roll <laughs> and play well and and all like that, it's yeah. I'm not sure what to feel about it, but I I do feel good uh, about one thing though, and that being top of the table. Yes. Yeah. Yes. An unexpected surprise, and I will take it. I was laughing all weekend, especially because I think um, uh, Jonas Eidoval, the manager of, uh, of of Arsenal, was kind of a little bit in his feelings a little bit, maybe a little bit hurt a bit, because they were asking him about his struggles to score. I mean, we know during the on what transfer deadline day, they were just throwing a bunch of money in Manchester United trying to get Alessia Russo so they could get some sort of goal scorer in there. Blackstinius has not quite worked out the way they wanted, but of course the big news is still the injuries, key injuries to Beth Mead and, and Miedema over there. So that's really unfortunate for them. They needed to do some moves. They brought in some players, young players, very young players, good young players, you know, and cool and Palova, but still going to take some time to get them up to speed. And he was kind of like, you know, we've scored, I, I think he said something like we scored 22 goals in his last like few games. And I'm like, buddy, that was nine goals against Leeds, who is in a much lower division than you are, and Zurich, which was in the Champions League for the first time. And you would kind of expect, and that was also back in December. Uh, so you, but, but besides that, they did get three against Aston Villa. And then of course the one, one with Chelsea at the beginning of the, of the year, um, middle of January, the matchup they had, but he seems to be a little defensive about their inability to score goals right now. And it's like, Hmm, mm, interesting. interesting. He surprise, surprise, but I think he is a very <laughs> emotional guy. Uh, good, uh, in, in good Bad, in good ways and in bad ways. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting uh, to see because there, even if it's what, just one game, uh, one game could easily be a trend of two yeah. games. Yeah. Um, and they are playing Manchester City this weekend. So yeah. I, I think that one, uh, even if you're a Chelsea fan, will be a massive match to yeah. watch. That's going to be a very interesting one and a very good one. I Who do you believe. want to win? Who do you want to win? Oh, I'll take a nil-nil draw in that one. Yeah. <laughs> Just no goals <laughs> that for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That would be quite that would be quite funny actually. It, it sure would. It would be it would it would warm my heart. Um 
But back to Chelsea. So um, they do come back and they do have a, um, as I mentioned, the games that are coming up. But let's, I want to focus back on the league because we're talking about top of the table. The next league games, early March, March 5th against Brighton. Uh, that'll be an interesting Ooh, game. Brighton. Brighton. We yeah. love Brighton, right? They have historically had an unfortunate, you know, history against Chelsea. We're not going to say anything about that. But then back-to-back league games against the Manchester clubs. March 12th, Manchester United. And then there's a two-week break. Uh, and then we play Manchester City. So those two games, like we got some really big, like March is going to be massive. And as Mia mentioned, the Champions League is going to be back too. So there's going to be a lot to talk about. There, there's a lot of opportunities for great performances from Chelsea. Hopefully that's all we get. We need three points. Continue to get the three points and we get our fourth consecutive title. Make everybody upset. But, uh, you know, that's what we do. So, yeah, we will be here to talk about all of that. I want to thank Mia again for stopping by. I also want to shout out their pitch again. Please go listen to that podcast. Even like scroll through all of the episodes too, because there are a lot, they've, they've spoken to a lot of players and the episodes are absolutely evergreen. So check it out. Um, and Mia, any last words? Uh, no, uh, I'm happy that the Monday is almost over here in Sweden and that it's Tuesday tomorrow. And let's roll on uh, this week. I appreciate that. And I'm sorry for saying last words. I meant to say final words. Last words makes it sound like you're departing this <laughs> earthly plane. And I'm sorry to have done that to you at the end of the podcast. But thank you so much for joining us. And we will uh, talk to you all. Mm, we're going to do a Champions League. You know, whoever we get. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention. We can't get PSG. But we could get Lyon. We could get Bayern Munich. Or we could get Roma. I know which one I want, but we'll end up talking about it. Whoever it is, uh, we will be back to break it down. And perhaps Mariam will make a return to the podcast uh, at some point as well. She's very busy right now, but, you know, still still part of it, still here um, and doing good work as well with the NBA. So make sure you follow her if you like the basketball. All right, I'm done talking now. Top of the table, Blues. Enjoy it. Enjoy it.